There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Dare to be different in Yumiko's new Grace Velvet Collection. Introduced by Maria Kochakova, this brand new fabric is bold in color, singular in presence, and classic in style. As one of Yumiko's favorite ventures to date, the fabric subtly reflects light in its own way and exudes a spirit of confidence to inspire every dancer to find strength in their individuality. Shop the collection online at yumiko.com and in stores now. Don't forget to also check out the recently launched 2020 colors and monthly ready-to-wear options. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Over the past few weeks, we have been examining different college dance programs, including Indiana University and St. Mary's College's LEAP program. This week, we are concluding our higher education series on conversations on dance with an in-depth look at the University of Southern California's Gloria Kaufman School of Dance. We are joined for a second time by the program's Vice Dean and Director, Jody Gates. We first spoke with Jody in episode 137, where we talked with her about her distinguished career dancing with Joffrey Ballet, Frankfurt Ballet, Pennsylvania Ballet, and guesting with companies around the world. Today, we have the opportunity to hear more about her work at USC Kaufman, her role in helping to found the program in 2012, what students can expect from the program, and where their graduates are now. For more information on USC's Gloria Kaufman School of Dance, visit kaufman.usc.edu. Thank you, Jody, so much for joining us. We're glad to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for having me back. Um, so last time we spoke with you was we were just trying to decide before starting recording how long ago it was, but we do know it was in episode 137. So we really encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that episode. We talked with Jody a lot about her career, um, which was so fascinating and we really loved it. And unfortunately, we, we ran out of time before we were able to talk about USC. So we really want to talk about that today. And it's perfect timing because we're having a 
higher education series here on Conversations on Dance. So we're really excited to hear more about the University of Southern California's Gloria Kaufman School of Dance. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us about it. Oh, of course, I could speak all day about the program. That, that's what we we were finding last time. We we were your career was so interesting that we just kept going and going. And then we did talk a little bit about USC, but I'm really glad we're getting this sep- second episode in um, because the program I think is pretty unique uh, throughout the states. So, what would you say the mission of the program is, and how did you develop the program around that mission? Sure. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, it's interesting to be given an opportunity to begin a actual dance school from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it rarely happens that anybody gets the opportunity that you don't inherit an institutional history. So uh, really, I would like to say that the uh, the mission, it, it, it's, it's a bit evolving, but I can say that it's we exist to train multilingual dance artists. We foster mm-hmm. original thought and, and really for to change the world for the better, right? Um, additionally, we provide the best training possible and the resources for dance scholars, empowering them to reach their full potential as artists. And uh, I think that the elevating the role of dance within the arts and in our society is also a real, uh, a real thrust for us as educators. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, you know, really empowering and giving a sense of agency to this next generation of sort of hybrid um, artist scholars. And I think dancers uh, and young people today, they can multitask in ways that I could never imagine. And what I'm seeing based on sort of this mission is this program that we have developed is not um, easy. You know, it's rigorous. So it's this all-day conservatory training, but it's embedded in a private private research one institution, which is USC. Hmm. Uh, And that right there makes it highly unique because two things. One is we are a school of dance, so we have the same leverage and the same importance as the school of medicine, the school of law, the school of architecture. The way USC is built, it's siloed with various schools within the campus. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just a program or a school of the arts. We have a lot of importance and a lot of stake in, in the community. Right. So that already gives us sort of this voice um, to be able to talk about how dance can be transformative in so many different ways. And um, so I think this mission and what we're seeing happening to the students that are coming to us is that they're incredibly curious and um, scholarly in the way that dancers are, you know, we're constantly investigating and researching and trying to be better at what we do, but they're also getting what they want, which is this incredibly intense training, studio training and choreographic training. So what would you say their daily schedule is like? Like how many hours a day, how many days a week are they dancing? How intense is the training for them? It's a lot. <laughs> we had to, if anything, with the curriculum, I'm having to really think about ways of shaving down so that there's, um, you know, they have a little bit more balance. Right. And like locking them out of the dance studios on Sundays, for example. <laughs> I'm like, no, for real. Like, I'm like, you know, go have, you know, a brunch in, in Santa Monica or, you know, go see something. So, um, so I'll give you an example of like what a Monday looks like for a freshman. Yeah. Uh, 9 a.m. ballet class, followed by a 10.30 hip-hop class. Those are required wow. 
core, yeah, which is also very unique that we actually require hip hop in our core curriculum. Uh, and then they have a little bit of a break. They have a lunch break at noon. So either they have their lunch, a long lunch or a short lunch and go run across campus and take a, a freshman writing course or a freshman seminar. Mm-hmm. Come back. They have two to five repertory and performance, which means, for example, they might be learning a Paul Taylor work, uh, uh, George Balanchine work, uh, Ohad Naharin work, working on the Forsyth repertory. They have that for three hours. After that, at five o'clock, they have a uh, historical perspectives in dance performance for an hour and a half. So that's a long day. Wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's just Monday. <laughs> right. So, yeah. And, and then when they don't have, so they always begin their day with ballet. Um, and that's really because I find that that's for me. Um, and as the artistic director and, the leader of the program, I find that that foundation is uh, the perfect foundation to move forward in any sort of uh, dance style or technique. Right. Yeah. And the sec- for example, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they might have contemporary after ballet rather than hip hop. And then on mm-hmm. Fridays, they have partnering. Mm-hmm. So it's intense, you know, um, and Definitely. And I, I say to this to students that are auditioning, you know, we might not be the program for you because we really expect you to not just, um, you know, come in, but be ready for rehearsal and train. But also we want you to have an opinion about the art form and the way mm-hmm. that you'll be informed is if you take all these super cool classes. I mean, there's so many classes you can take at a university mm-hmm. and, you know, whether it's philosophy or, you know, architecture or art history, you know, I mean, it really is a, a beautiful place to be as a young person. So. I, I love that you say you want them to have an opinion. I think that that's just something, you know, that isn't really cultivated, maybe, or it's something that you have to find on your own, typically, but you're pushing your students to to find that in themselves. Thank you. Yes, I think that's really important uh, because, you know, as we evolve and as the field evolves, we can't just sit back and be, you know, sitting on the bus and be passive in this sort of transportation that we're doing with dance. We have to be the engineers of it and reimagine, you know, I think about this a lot as about the future of ballet, for example, mm-hmm. and reimagining how do we move the field forward. Um, and similarly with the students, uh, you know, I really want them to have the sense of agency to be able to have a discussion surrounding whatever we're training in at that moment. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the curriculum. And last time we spoke with you, you mentioned that it was your responsibility when the program started to create the curriculum from scratch. So how did you go about this task? And like you mentioned, for example, hip hop was something that you feel is very important for the dancers to have. How did you develop that overarching theme for the program and decide what you felt was important for these dancers in their dance education? It was, you know, it was a process for sure. I knew that um, it was a responsibility that I had that to rethink and reinvent a curriculum for dance for the 21st century in higher ed and what that might look like and hopefully shape um, the future of how other co- college programs, um, the expectations we have um, as we move forward because this, the jobs are different now than they were even 10, 20 years ago. Um, so what I did was, 
uh, I, and I do this in general in my life, as I looked for the voids, okay? So I what was lacking in the field and how I could fill it and, and then who are, the, who are the, the players in that, right? So I also did a lot of research. I had conversations from um, everybody in the, in the ballet field that I knew that are currently directing ballet companies. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to obviously Bill Forsyth and people like Ohan Naharin, I had many Skype sessions with both of those gentlemen <clears throat> separately to ask, you know, if you, ha- if you were in my position, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so obviously, you know, Bill and I being, uh, close friends over the years, we've known each other over 30 years. Um, and he's the one that said, you know, have you considered how much hip hop and the articulation of spine that one can learn, um, could influence, uh, you know, the repertory of today. And I said, well, yeah, that's an awesome idea. And should we require it? Mm-hmm. You know, actually require it, you know, for a ballerina to come into the room and be able to do some bounce, right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, and, we, you know, I took the step and I was like, let's do it. And um, it was probably the, the smartest move we ever made because hip hop is Americans social dance. It is an aesthetic that I think is entirely underrated and sometimes I think misunderstood because, you know, the term hip hop, even that is an umbrella for so many social dance forms whether it's whacking or voguing or house, you know, so, and I'm learning, you know, this is not the world I grew up in. You know, know, Mr. Joffrey doing the balancing rep at Pennsylvania Ballet and then, and then eventually moving on to Europe with Frankfurt Ballet. But um, what was awesome is I found uh, the right faculty at the right time and the way that they teach social dance practices is incredibly authentic uh, approach. So it's not just hip hop that you might see if you go to a dance studio and you want to be a backup dancer for Beyonce, right? Right. You know, it is like intense articulation of the spine and the head and the the counter rotations in the body. And it's everything that you, it's a great, great um, way to uh, think about, isolating your bodies in ways that uh, I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because sometimes um, I teach ballet, you know, occasionally. And sometimes when I see my students, you know, when they're in ballet class, they're, they want to be so pulled up and so like stiff almost. And I'll be like, guys, I saw you in your hip hop class. Like, I know you can't really move that body. Like, I can see how that really can help them to kind of loosen up and find a different movement style, even that they could bring back to ballet, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's all about the groove, right? Yeah. And if you can bob your head up and down, you can do it, right? You know, it's like we all do it. And I think sitting in the pelvis and sort of having that relax, um, using the bounce, it helps your petit allegro, for example. Uh, And yeah, we talk about this all the time. And, you know, really, when we look at students, you know, incoming students, for example, you know, they don't, they can come in with absolutely no knowledge of hip hop, but if they're open and curious and actually kind of are tickled by going in there and just trying it, that's fine. That's, that's all we're looking for. And similarly, we take some students that actually specialize in social dance. They've had a little bit of ballet training or contemporary training. And as long as they're open to, you know, being in ballet class every day, that's the student, right? That's the dancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
We will return to conversations on dance in a moment, but first, this week we are sponsored by our good friends at Vayette Virtual Ballet School, the next stage of ballet training. Vayette Virtual Ballet School is a one-of-a-kind online ballet classroom providing world-class ballet training to aspiring students regardless of their location. Vayette Virtual Ballet School believes that teaching proper technique is just as important as nurturing the mental, physical, and emotional aspects of their students. Vayette Virtual Ballet School is an extra push that you need heading into your upcoming audition, competition, or summer intensives. For more information, visit VayetteVirtualBalletSchool.com. That's V-E-Y-E-T-T-E VirtualBalletSchool.com. Or click the link in the description of this episode. So I feel like in the past there were probably a lot of dancers with this sort of curiosity that would have been a good fit for your program. But we've had to work on um, destigmatizing higher education for dancers. Mm-hmm. And it's still a problem. I still think that, you know, especially when people are attached to a specific ballet school, they, they have eyes only for that company and they don't see other paths. But why do you think dancers should avoid these fears and give higher education a chance, especially in 2020? Mm-hmm. Great question. Let's backtrack a couple steps. And I think it's the mentors and dance teachers that need this information. Mm. Those are the individuals that are helping guide these young people to a future in dance. Right. And, uh, you know, if I could clone myself, I would go to every dance studio in the country and just talk about the value that it is to go to a dance program, especially if they're continuing great training, right? Right. Uh, and that's where it starts, is that, you know, when I when I go and judge for Youth America Grand Prix, um, I talk about this a lot, and uh, is that, you know, I want you to get into that ballet company, for example, but you, you need a bit more training, and it doesn't, and also with that, you're going to come with a, a degree from USC, which will carry you in life in ways you don't even imagine yet. And so I think, um, you know, it's going to be a long haul to, to sort of really kind of uncover all the stigma that goes with that. I think it's getting better. You know, I talked to directors. They're willing to hire um, ballet dancers at 21, 22 years old that have just graduated. For example, I have um, one of our alums is in uh, Ballet Met with Edward Liang. Mm-hmm. Um, and just happy as a clam and dancing beautifully there. Um, we have a student, uh, ex- an alum that's in Oregon Ballet Theater. We have two alums that are in Ballet Hispanico. We have another alum that's in Complexions Contemporary Ballet. We have another alum, a uh, gentleman that's in Alonzo King Lines Ballet. Another that's Oklahoma City Ballet. I mean, that's wow. just like off the top of my head. Yeah. Can and you remind us again how long, how old the program is, which I think makes this all the more impressive? Uh, first class graduated uh, last May. It's a five-year program. We've only so been around five years. Yeah. Exactly. And you're already having this level of success. I think that the more we can build on destigmatizing um, college for dancers, then, you know, I think who knows what you'll have in 10 years from now. I think it's really impressive. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that, you know, it's, you know, when you're 18, we're not really, we're not 
completely cooked yet, you know, emotionally, there's a lot to unpack there. So by the time this, a student graduates from college, they're mature, they come into the room, again, I'm going to go back to this, with an opinion about the art form. They're much more collaborative, they know how to improv, for example, so they can go in there, they can do the at least three pirouettes, because, you know, three is the new two. So I say that. <laughs> triple is the new double. You can't do triple. You know, don't audition for a ballet company. And so, <laughs> and, and you know, and that's so, you know, I we talk about, you know, how to audition and how to be performative in a ballet class and how to prepare yourself to be of value in a company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and invaluable in a company. You know, so, um, so yeah, you know, it is going to be a lot to unpack, but I I really encourage directors uh, to, you know, rethink what that might do to their company and how um, these artists that are coming in with all of this, um, these different tools, how they can contribute to the repertory and to the, their own organization, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting because you're talking about all of these alum that are peppered throughout the country at different companies. And I think that's part of it for these younger students to look up to a company and see some of the dancers coming from programs like this, like just as recently as when Michael and I were joining companies, which, you know, was like the early 2000s, there wasn't really anyone, you know, you you didn't see that as a path because no one had really done it as much as people are now. So I think that's going to really start to change the narrative as well. And also these programs offer kids incredible opportunities to work with really great artists. Like for example, we know that Bill Forsyth works with your students, right? Who else comes and works with the students at USC? Sure. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty remarkable opportunity. And I I say to the students, you know, after you graduate from USC, it's all downhill from here. (laughs) No, and I I joke because I'm like, you know, the opportunity to work with Bill Forsyth um, alone is just so rare, you know, Mm -hmm. and they know it, they get it, they're grateful. And um, it's because I think there's a desire from a lot of these individuals that are quite well known to be a part of something new and to be able to contribute to that newness. And they're looking for um, a way to teach. <clears throat> so yeah, there's obviously Bill and, um, and we have Desmond Richardson, Sephora, who you probably know from city ballet. Right, um, right. Sephora stages the balancing works. Fiona Lummis stages the Yuri Killian works. Uh, we have um, Victor Chiara, who's the director of Rubber Band Dance in Montreal. He comes once or twice a year. Uh, we just had Hope Boykin from the Albanelli Dance Theater. Oh, uh, we love yeah. Hope. We just had her on the podcast. <laughs> I, heard, I know. I saw and heard. Oh, wonderful. Um, <laughs> she's, you know, she's been a good friend for many years and, uh, I, uh, we hired her as an artist in residence, so she's coming back in April. Um, nice. So, yeah, I mean, that's just naming a few. Uh, Doug Verone is coming in the fall. So, yeah, it's a pretty robust uh, list mm-hmm. of individuals. Yeah. So, so you listed a couple of the ballet companies that um, your alumni have gone on to work for. Um, but it's not like you're strictly encouraging uh, only that path. You have your students go on to so many different careers. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the um, the different uh, career paths there are for graduates of USC? Absolutely. 
Uh, and the reason why I did bring up the ballet companies is because it was my personal goal to see right. if I could help train ballet dancers to be prepared, you know, to get into a company right. after receiving their degree. So I'm really proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two um, women that are in the original cast of the new West Side Story on Broadway. I'm actually going to see them perform next weekend. Wonderful. So exciting. Uh, yeah. And uh, they're, they're just living it up. They're having the time of their lives Aww. with the production. Um, we have two dancers that started their own collective in Los Angeles. It's called the Jaw Collective. They are already uh, making their mark choreographically in the community, and they're touring with an indie band. <coughs> indie band. They've already been on, like, Jimmy Kimmel. And, oh, wow. And, in fact, one of them have already paid off their student loan. And I was like, there you go. <sighs> not even amazing. Yeah, not even a year out of graduation. Wow. So, the, the, the monetizing of what we do, I find uh, we talk about that a lot as well, uh-huh. that, you know, you, you can make money from this career. Um, another young woman, um, she went with Bill Forsyth uh, to help with an installation, um, an art installation. Uh, she, she traveled with him, uh, I think, in the fall. And now she is joining Body Traffic in Los Angeles as a company member for their China tour, I believe. Um, one of our dancers is now with rubber band dance in Montreal and she, uh, is performing. I think she just performed in New York with them. Uh, we have a few, oh, we have one on a cruise ship. <laughs> nice. Performing. Yeah. And we have another one doing a television show that I'm not allowed to talk about because it hasn't been announced yet. Very exciting. Okay. Uh, so the- the range yeah. here is just, you know, it's, it's all over the place. That's, yeah. I think it, when you first started the program, was this what you were kind of envisioning? Like what you're, what you wanted to see for graduates? Yeah. You know, um, I didn't really know what the measurable success would look like, quite frankly. And I didn't know what the product would be being like, what happens? Who's what's, you know, there's only so many job positions out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. I mean, over 80% of that first class is employed and the others are employed in different ways. So I, you know, they, they have skill sets that are, you know, I'm not worried about them, you know, Mm -hmm. um, they have their degree from USC, which is really quite, uh, stunning. And it, and, you know, they had a rigorous academic, um, you know, four year program as well as performing a ton. Right. So cool. Um, so I, we wanted to talk a little bit about choreography too, because last time when we spoke with you, we talked a little bit about your um, career in choreography. Is there is that something that you encourage uh, the dancers to do at USC and how do you facilitate that for them? Sure. So part of the core curriculum requires every student uh, to take two years of improvisation and composition. Mm-hmm. They start by uh, working with um, the Forsyth methodologies, which is a perfect way to kind of understand how to use your imagination through the art of imagery and using ballet as sort of a way to, you know, um, move off of and deconstruct. So uh, that is required for every student. And then in year three and four, they uh, they can continue with composition in more advanced levels. And uh, so you could take four years of choreography. Many of them also. Um, 
are constantly making for video, music videos, and they, they perform a lot of their own work if they choose. So like, for example, as a sophomore, they work, um, which is part of the curriculum, with uh, composers and musicians from the Thornton School of Music at USC, and they put together a performance, oh. all the songs. Yeah, yeah, so it's live music and dance, which is super important. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, yeah, so, you know, we love to talk about, you know, viewing dance through several different choreographic lenses, and mm-hmm. and that, that comes from, you know, I'm stealing that from Bill Forsyth, quite frankly, because, mm-hmm. you know, everything he does is so poetic, and um, it's he really views everything choreographically, you know, uh, and and he lives his life improvisationally, you know, mm-hmm. but he's also super strategic. And I think that that has rubbed off on the students and certainly the faculty. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that, especially uh, when we were talking to Pam Tanowitz about her start in choreography. She was telling us that she took those similar composition classes in college and that was like her first introduction. She was it was mandatory as well to take that. And then that was when she, it kind of clicked for her. So it's so, so cool to hear those stories, you know? Yeah. And I think it's great because, you know, um, those of us that are initially, uh, you know, shy away from creating, um, I see the ballerinas, you know, you, they have to do it. So even if they don't end up pursuing uh, a life as a choreographer, they likely become better collaborators in the room. For example, if a ballet choreographer comes into a company and is going to be working with them, they, they can, they know how to, to help facilitate somebody else's choreography. Right. Right. So I think there's a lot of value with that. And I, I think that professionals should even think about how, how do you know, how can you really fulfill the dream of what, you know, a choreographer when they come into the room, they don't, they're not always prepared. Choreographer doesn't always know what they're going to do, but they want to be inspired by you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So we talk a lot about that. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's, it's really interesting to hear about, uh, it seems like you're just tr- doing such a good job at creating balance within artists that be, like that person that you said, like ballerina, let's say, you know, and she's never going to choreograph, but she has now an understanding of the process. But that's something that a, a leadership position might need. Like, essentially, you're giving experience that even if it's not what they're going going to go into directly, it might inform another position that they can hold within the art form. Absolutely. And in fact, a lot of the students, by the time they get to year four, you know, they're taking classes in social justice or arts administration, mm-hmm. um, law I mean, it's public policy. So they're finding, oh, right, I can make a difference. And, you know, I mean, ballet dancers and dan- dancers in general are like, they make the best employees, right? Because <laughs> yeah. dedicated, focused, um, you know, we definitely are driven. We're passionate about what we're doing. So absolutely, you know, I, I really, you know, I feel strongly about encouraging, um, you know, especially young women to not be afraid of their voice, right? And uh, we have a lot of talented female choreographers in the program, and that makes me also very proud. Wonderful. Can you tell us about the program that your dancers are going, are going to be performing April 17th through 19th in Santa Monica? It sounds very diverse and amazing, and we want to hear all about it. Did you get a chance to see the clip? No. A little, we have a sizzle reel. Oh, oh. We'll have to share it on our social media, so everyone look sure. for that. 
Sure, yeah. It's on, it's, so it's the Broad Theater. We open on the 17th, which is in Santa Monica. A lot of great companies perform there. You know, Crystal Pites Company was there. Mm. Um, a, a lot of big, bigger companies. Hubbard Street, I think, has been there. A lot of companies uh, and mm. local companies as well. So... Well, we uh, we have a pretty fantastic repertory. Uh, we're doing a world premiere by Hope Boykin. Nice. Uh, we're doing a world premiere by Patrick Corbin, who's on faculty, and he was uh, muse of Paul Taylor's. Um, we are doing Minus 16 by Ohad Naharin. We are doing an excerpt of William Forsythe's Second Detail, which is one of my favorite ballets. Oh, by- it's a great ballet. Yeah, I love it. I love dancing it too. Mm. Uh, and a piece by this gentleman called Rubber Legs. And if you haven't seen this guy dance, he is exactly his title, Rubber Legs. <laughs> <laughs> super cool, groovy, groovy piece that is somewhat rooted in uh, uh, hip hop, uh, b-boy, b-girl, um, breaking, breaking, um, but also it's contemporary dance, cool. which is super cool. Yeah. And I think that's, oh, a Yuri Killian piece, an excerpt from Whereabouts Unknown. Wonderful. So, ah, it's an exciting program. And, uh, oh, oh, and Andrew Winghart, a world premiere uh, by Andrew Winghart. So if you don't know Andrew, he choreographed Cry Me a River by uh, Justin Timberlake. That's oh. A- <laughs> ah, yeah. So he's very popular in the industry. And the reason, I mean, he's a super, super person too, very smart. And he works with really large groups typically. And I said, hey, why don't you like challenge yourself and work with these students and make duets in the smaller groups? And so Mm -hmm. it's been a lot of fun to work with. Plus, he's a great connection for those students that, you know, want to do these world tours. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds that way. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh, I wish we could be there for it. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like such a perfect encapsulation of what you described the program being just like that, that range that you're demanding of the students. Yeah, thank you. I, I think it is. I, I'm, I'm really proud of them. And it's a lot of work, you know, uh, and uh, for them, I see them, they really invest in each piece, you know, each technique. And it's, you'll see the difference if you saw a freshman, and then the senior, you see the difference in the information in their bodies and the way they dance, which is very, very exciting. Yeah. yeah. So before we let you go, uh, will you tell us what ways you hope to continue to develop the program in the future? Mm. You mean share the secret sauce? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, certainly, I think one of the biggest uh, goals I have for the next couple of years is developing a few graduate programs. And uh, graduate programs, whether it be uh, MFA or an MA, uh, mm-hmm. we're looking at ways, um, again, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, what are the the voids in the field right now? How can we help those individuals out there that are looking for graduate programs uh, that are a little bit um, more mature and are looking for their next steps? So I think that's that's a real goal for me. And I think um, also getting the dancers, the students, the current students out to perform more. You know, when they performed at the Joyce in New York uh, last year, it was last year in February, it it kind of it was it was very revealing um, mm. the amount of talent on that stage 
uh, was really important, I think, for New Yorkers to see because it uh, it showed their fearlessness uh, and their aptitude for uh, being multilingual dancers. And and I think the joy, you know, the joy of dance uh, was there and exciting to see. So I want to sort of um, see more of that. I'm not sure what that looks like, but I think more more individuals need to see them. And I think that will help perhaps us uh, uh, teachers, mentors, students, professional dancers look at, oh, so this is what a college program can be like. Right. You know, I mean, I think that's really important. And uh, if that means, you know, going and, and showing, then, then maybe that's also a goal to have in the next couple of years. Absolutely. That's great. That's well, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I really just I can't get enough of hearing about your program, and I hope that we get to see your dancers in action uh, sometime soon. Oh, me too. It's always a joy to speak with you, um, both of you, and I really, really appreciate you uh, calling me, and we'll do it again next year. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we'll catch up next year. Thank you so much, Jody. Thanks we so much, Jody. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week.